Joining us now, the head coach of the Tassie Jack Jumpers, getting ready for season two after they set uh, a pretty high bar in the first season. I think it's fair to say, Scott, uh, I always find it funny asking coaches and people in, in your position, are you ready for the season? Because it never feels like you get much time off anyway, but are you ready a week out from preseason to get going again? Well, I'm definitely ready. Um, you know, um, I just said it to the other day to some friends that, uh, you know, I just got back into Tasmania seven or eight days ago from my break. And uh, to be honest with you, the two years of setting this team up or a year and a half of, of really not being home and setting this team up um, was kind of just like a big blur for me. And uh, I'm really, really excited about this season. Last season was just a blur and trying to get it to the finish line and get things done. And to go home and have seven weeks of reflection and sit back and just kind of enjoy myself and rest and get rejuvenized for the season. I'm looking forward to this season a great deal. What were you able to do when you're back home? That's a nice, uh, nice yeah. little break there. Yeah, I mean, I had to obviously did so many things that you miss in two years and uh, I built a new home that I had never seen, a street I'd never seen before. <laughs> and so there's just so many things that were going on that were exciting for me just to be back there and obviously be around my family and my daughter for an extended amount of time again. Um, you know, things that you just don't think about. I had to re-register my driver's license, re-register our cars, change license plates. I moved from Phoenix to Florida. Uh, taxes, uh, insurance, all these things had to be signed. And some things had to be, you know, DMV lines waiting to get things done. And, and just going through a process of things that you just don't think about for two years that you're missing and extending. And, um, and then again, on top of that, building a home that I've never seen and never walked in. And um, so it was exciting to be back there. The weather was great. It was on the, the beaches and, and got some sun and just, you know, really just recharged my batteries, which was um, something I was really missing and, and happy that I got back. So most importantly, uh, you're happy with the house? Yeah, the house is beautiful. The place <laughs> has been great. Um, you know, it looks good on video. I've uh, seen it every couple of weeks here and there, but to see it in person and actually walk in there and actually see the street I live on and the gas station around the corner and, it's just an amazing thing to, you know, you just don't think of something like that for two years. You don't get to see something that you're building. And it's, you know, my retirement home, it's my dream home and where I want to finish, uh, you know, my career and live. And I've worked really hard to get to that spot and, and not to see it and just have it though it's, it's sitting there. And my wife's kind of there with boxes and stuff around her. And now to be in there and, and actually see what's going on. It's, it's really nice. Uh, and by the way, I, I told you this before, but I was living in Wisconsin for a few years and yep. I was doing the winter, winter swing. So at yep. least you've got that figured out. You're doing yeah. the summer, summer swing at the moment. Yeah. Right now it's working out pretty good. I, I got to Tasmania, <laughs> but I always get a kick out of it anyways here where everyone's, you know, kind of bitching and moaning how cold it is here. Yeah. And I'm thinking you haven't been to Wisconsin or Minnesota in January and really know what winter is. And it's so mild down here. And, Next thing you know, I look and the temperatures are the exact same in Melbourne, but for some reason, everyone thinks Melbourne's a little bit warmer than Tasmania and uh, it's all good. But uh, yeah, I'm back here and probably only got about six weeks left in winter, I would think. And we're off to summer again. So uh, that schedule is not too bad for me. Uh, so speaking of everything that you've had back home, and I think the yeah. reason why everyone was endeared to you is because how open you were and uh, about everything yeah. that was going on. Uh, in terms of the contract, you spoke about it and you wanted to come back and you started something here and you want to follow through with that. Yeah. Um, but I still imagine there was some thought process that you had to go through and speaking with the family because it has been, it would have taken an incredible toll, I have to imagine. 
Yeah. Um, you know, um, obviously, first of all, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to come back here and sign for three years. It's actually a, a four year contract, but three years that, um, mm -hmm. um, are talked about and we have numbers around and the fourth year is just to see how I feel or where we're at with everything. But I'm very grateful for Larry Katzman and Simon Brookhouse and our board to allow me to come back here and continue to build something. It was hugely important for me that if I was going to continue down this road, uh, that there was some stability just across the whole uh, program. And, you know, part of my contract was also getting my coaches an extra year under their contract and, and just to make sure that uh, there was stability across the board. And uh, the big thing was uh, when my wife and daughter got here, uh, the reception they got and the people around town and just the welcome they had, uh, this was home. And um, it took me 58 years to find somewhere where I can really feel like I'm myself and have, I can be myself. Uh, the journey has been long and not every coach finds the right opportunities at the right time. And if you stay with it long enough, you get a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for me uh, to be here and, you know, wait 58 years to find a place that where I feel like this is, this is exactly what is missing in my life and where I want to be. And, and the people that are around here has, has been fantastic. In terms of the buy-in from Tassie, I know some of my friends that I've got down there that last year coming into the season, it was like, okay, if we win a few games, this is unbelievable. Sure. But we're just happy we've got our own team. Then you right. go through and make the grand final. Right. So does anything change in terms of expectations, <laughs> pressure that maybe you, you yourself feel or the people feel or what you're just getting a sense of from people you talk to in the streets? Well, listen, the, the, the excitement is still going. You know, yeah. I landed in Sydney Airport about, uh, I don't know, 10 days ago, and the baggage claim next to me, a, a flight came in from France, and the guy across the way yelled to me, hey, Scott Roth, coach of the year. I'm a Sydney <laughs> fan, but you guys were awesome. And it was 6 a.m. in the morning. So um, we feel it around town. We feel it around the state. Um, our tickets and our memberships are just going through the roof. And obviously there's a lot of high expectations, but I think really – um, Tassie's just endeared us uh, as being the first ones in the market. And we've beat mm -hmm. a lot of teams to that. And we've built a really good brand to start with. But this is in the infancy of this whole journey. And we can't get carried away with what happened last year. Was, to me, it was a perfect storm. And, you know, maybe once in 20 or 30 years, I think something would like that would happen where an expansion team can just go all the way and, and, and rally an entire state. But uh, for us, it's just turning the page. We've only played 30 of our games in the history of this franchise. And let's just don't get carried away and that, you know, we're going to take some lumps. We haven't got punched in the mouth yet. We haven't been knocked down. We're going to go through some hard times. And uh, for me, the biggest thing is building some stability across the line, building culture that's going to last. It's going to be inevitable for us, whether we're winning or losing, that we can fall back on something. And um, I think it's really important that we have that kind of foundation and, and uh, our group is really supporting that. And, there's a lot of teams in this league, in my opinion, that don't have any culture, that don't have anything they're really standing for, except reloading and going to find new players again. And, and for me, uh, again, um, this is an entire state we're representing, and, and uh, I want it to be right for everyone across here that everyone's proud of this team and that we're putting a good product out every year and that we're fighting for the playoffs. We're, we're trying to get into the championship. We're trying to win championships, but just something that's very sustainable, long lasting. Um, when you speak of the Jack Dempers, you know, that you're going to be grit and grind and tough guys and a tough mentality and a culture that's sustainable. You mentioned stability. So no question your roster in, in terms of who you've been able to bring back minimal yep. changes compared to most teams across the league, but you had yep. two key import spots that you've replaced. Yep. What did you, what did you identify that you, that you really wanted to, to bring in that perhaps you were lacking last year? Well, I think if we were trying, if anything was one to get to stability, uh, I think it's good to have these guys back and have them 
semi-comfortable with the fact that uh, they were a close-knit unit. And and why we won was really because the culture they built and the, and the family atmosphere and the love they had for each other to go out and play and fight for each other. And uh, that's hard to find. And you can keep moving pieces around and buy talent, but I don't know if you can buy chemistry. And chemistry to me is is a, is a high commodity, and, and this group had it. And I feel good about the, lo the local players that we brought back. Um, bringing Majet back is obviously very helpful. He's kind of the uh, the accountant who uh, kind of keeps us all <laughs> in line and makes sure everything's running smoothly. And then and then Milt and uh, Rashad just add uh, some more depth to us. And uh, Rashad's a, a little bit bigger athlete, which is good for us. Uh, better rebounder in that area also. And then, then we just got a bigger uh, player in Milt Doyle at 6'4", who's got some uh, veteran um, games under his belt and length and, and facilitator. So we're, I think we're very solid again. Um, I wouldn't say that we're going to have uh, be overwhelmingly as far as talent and people are going to say, Oh my God, they got so many guys, but I've said this all along. We have good players, but we have great role players and our role players know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. The Jared Barristers of the world that are underappreciated are loved in Tasmania and they find a home here and the Matt Kenyans that bounced around for two and three years and haven't had a chance. They can find a home here if they're doing the right things. And that's what's happened. So with respect to Milton and Rashad, though, specifically, yep. so there's a lot of games last year where if I'm watching the Jack Jumpers, I'm thinking, okay, if they can hold the opposition to 75 points, which, yep. by the way, you did very, very regularly, right. you're going to be in the game. But I walked away saying, gee, they could really use another score or two. Yep. Do you feel those two, they've had multiple stops overseas yep. uh, and they've they've been scorers for those teams. Do you feel that that was something that you just had to find some other guys that could get you buckets? Yeah, I think, you know, Milt will will be a solid scorer in the league. And I think uh, Rashad has the ability to facilitate the ball and rebound the ball for us and, and, and has some versatility to score it. Again, we're, we're going to depend on our defense and that's what we're kind of built on right now. And um, yeah, it would be great to have a team loaded with some scores like Sydney, who had multiple guys that they could <laughs> yeah. always rely on. It's just not the way it is down here. It's not the way the team's built. And again, to try to find that in your first year and just load up with different kind of guys, it just was not in the cards. And I'm very happy with the guys we got, and we'll continue to try to improve our talent uh, year by year wherever we can add somebody. But for right now, the the, the formula for us is just um, strong defense in your face kind of mentality and then just try to execute and, 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 and outwork people at the end of the game and see if we can come across the line. So what are the conversations you have with those guys? Cause you've mentioned culture a number of times here yeah. and throughout the whole last season. So what are the yeah. conversations you have? Like, how do you, how do you know you got that, that buy-in? Like, what are you looking for? From the two new players coming in? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, well, they'll, uh, they're very savvy and they already mentioned it to me before, you know, when I started yeah. going through the list of starting to try to recruit guys and bring them in, um, even up until this next week, we have 22 developmental players coming through for tryouts. Uh, the buzzword is I want to see what the culture is down there. What you guys created down there is unbelievable. I, I want to be a part of something like that. And, and Milt and Rashad were very in tune to the NBL. The NBL now is not just a league that's over there somewhere out in the water in the Pacific. It's actually a league that everyone is following. Everyone is in tune to. And these guys knew very well what the Jack Jumpers were doing and not necessarily everything and falling that they were going to be on this roster, but they knew what was happening in the NBL and they knew uh, just from people that were playing over here of what was happening. And uh, they were very keen to be locked in. And I think most players at the end of the day really want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And these two guys uh, definitely fall into that category, wanting to grow something and be a part of a family 
And um, they were very keen and very aware of what was happening in the NBL, but they were very aware of what was happening with us. So typically when you do interviews like this, so we're recording this Wednesday, Arvo, there'll be news that'll drop 20 minutes after, but we're fortunate today. Yeah. So you so you yeah. signed Isaac White. Yeah. Uh, this is an injury replacement for Clint Steindl. What's the process looking for a uh, a replacement player on short notice, limited guys available? Yeah, you know, obviously it's a great thing that our guys got to play for the Boomers, but in the process of doing that, we got yes, a few guys no. nicked up in the same thing. And you yeah. know, Jack McVeigh was is back and healthy and ready to go, which is a, you know, a blessing. And actually I thought it was a blessing in disguise that he got a little dinged up because I've been begging him just to rest for a few weeks and this forced <laughs> him to do that. Uh, Clint wasn't so fortunate. And in, in, in one way that, you know, the stress fracture in his leg needs to heal and it's going to take some time. And so we had to turn the page right away and try to find someone who was out there. And obviously we had our list going and following guys and, and, Isaac is not Clint Steinle, just in general and size and so on and so forth, but he is very competitive. He does shoot the ball well, well coached, obviously, being a gorgeous system. I think he's got a little grit to him and toughness, and I think he'll be a really good asset to us. And uh, he just came in today, and we'll start to be with him in the next few days and get him acclimated to what we're doing. Uh, but I think he's just a good, fresh body that has experience, which I was looking for, and that can blend in with our guys. And and, and I think he has instant buy-in with us and we'll, we'll see what we can do with him. And like I tell all of our players, nothing's promised to him. You're a replacement player. That doesn't mean you're getting Clint Steinle's minutes automatically. That Everything is earned down here. And he understands that. And, and so uh, we're excited to have him. And um, we'll just take Clint a slow, uh, easy recovery as best he can for him. And hopefully in uh, November, Clint will be ready to go, which is kind of where we're at with him. Uh, basically, another recruit. I guess you're hoping to have will be Will Magne. Now, yeah. I think there was a story this morning in one of the Tassie newspapers. Yeah. I was reading that story. So uh, these sort of bone bruise injuries are really, really hard to have a timeline for. Uh, is there concern about opening night or is that not even a consideration? You just really need to wind this back and see where he's at. Uh, it's a concern. We're, we're, we are concerned. Uh, currently we're concerned. Um, he is, you know, progressing to some level but then it's been quite slow the last few weeks uh so there is there is concern and um uh, we'll just have to see how it goes here in the next few weeks uh with him um it's kind of just a, a nasty injury that doesn't really seem to uh, obviously affect too, uh, too much as far as like structurally again but again that that rubbing across the top of the kneecap uh, where that's at is is not great and um we are definitely concerned i don't know if he'll be ready to go october 1st um, we'll just have to see how things play itself out. We're in the market and we're looking uh, constantly at the market to make sure we might have to find another replacement player of some sort for short term or find a developmental player, which again, we have 22 of them coming in on Tuesday uh, to go through the process to start working with us and see if we can find one or two guys that we can unearth like a Jock Perry or someone that's out there that can uh, be serviceable. Yeah, I had uh, Nathan Sobey on this show a couple of weeks ago. Yep. He's going through a similar thing. And I asked exactly. him about how he was doing mentally. And he said, well, I'm an older player now. I I've, I understand. I've been through it. But for Will, when you consider where he was two years ago, right. it just hasn't been able to get healthy. Do you have to yeah. check in? How is he doing? I mean, he's with us on here, obviously. And he's been down here. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, your mental health is always going to be a question when you haven't played for basically eight months since the time he's been hurt. And we're definitely monitoring and trying to support him as best as possible and surrounding him with what he needs and giving him every opportunity to, uh, to get back. But um, also at some point or another, we have to worry about the Jack jumpers and our future and how things go. And so 
uh, we're definitely um, doing everything in our power to make sure that he is backing up and running. But at this point, there is some concern that, you know, he's, he's lagging behind and, and we'll just have to see how the doctors play this thing out for the next few weeks. How do you think size matters in the NBL? We spoke a couple of times last season and clearly you were undersized. Yeah. Uh, now the heart was was clearly there as well, yeah. but given that Will might not be there at the start of the season, would would yeah. you have changed your plan, or or do you think that in this league you can get away with it, or is or is that a, a real problem? Um, yeah, I mean it's a great question. You know, we thought about uh, just in regards trying to find a five four maybe during the summer as opposed to uh, more of a four uh, that we do have a four that uh, Rashad will be playing at that spot, but Rashad's versatile enough. And to be honest with you, uh, most of my career I've been with Don Nelson and it's been small ball <laughs> galore. And I think that obviously there's some points during the course of the season where you wish you had a little bit more of a taller athlete or something of that. To me, it's more about um, making sure that the jet has outlets and making sure the floor is spaced and our guys have room to play. And if you go small, I think, you know, we have shooters and, and fab and guys that can space the floor and create some other kind of problems. Uh, but it's always nice to have a shop walk and an athlete back there and, and someone to put pressure on the rim. And, you know, we can debate that all uh, around and around and we chose to go down this route and I feel comfortable again. You know, I, I kind of sit back and get a little chuckle over the last seven weeks when I was home and trying to reflect on the season. And a friend of mine reminded me, he said, you just realized that you went to the grand finals with a six, seven uh, center um, that doesn't very happen very <laughs> often. And he's, it's true, but fab and our guys just, found a way and they fought and competed. And I think that's more important at the end of the day that you had just competitors out there. And again, they were great role players and did exactly what we were asking them to do. And, and we were able to, you know, manufacture wins. And uh, never forget Jock Perry, two threes in the first half yeah. of game three yeah. <laughs> as well. No, like everyone that everyone last year that stepped in, you know, we had uh, Sean McDonald come in in the game yeah. in Brisbane when Jared Weeks the night before split his head open not thinking that Sean was going to be even on that road trip. And we, by kind of dumb luck, brought him with us just to bring him. And next thing you know, weeks, he splits his head. And now Sean McDonald hasn't played all year, is thrown into a, a critical game for us in Brisbane and plays wonderful for about eight or nine minutes. But it just goes to the point of we work really hard in practice. These guys deserve to be out there. Our guys rally around them and don't see them as anything other than just a teammate that's next to them. And they already know what they're doing. And, and and it gives them confidence. And yeah, Jock Perry comes in the third game of the series and gets eight points and two threes and has a little swagger to him. And he was doing that all year when we needed to call upon him. I, I wasn't going to ask this, but it just reminded me of this when we were talking about that yep. game three. So obviously, and you might have answered this post game, I can't remember now, but given all the issues you had pre game with mm. illness yep. and all those types of things, now when you think back, at that moment before the game, are you just locked in and it doesn't matter? Are you thinking to yourself, how many more things do we possibly have to go through? We're here now. Now, are we even going to have a team to play in game three? Yeah, I didn't think so much about that, really, to be honest with you. You know, you know, the game one was tough and they, and and obviously they beat us and we, we learned some lessons there. And, and game two back at our place was obviously down to the wire and back and forth and just a heck of a game. And, and DJ makes a great shot. But we kept thinking all along, if we just win one game, there's going to be a lot of pressures that's going to get flipped in this series. And it doesn't matter which one. We just got to win one of them. And we went back into Sydney feeling very confident about what we we're doing. And, yeah, three of our starters weren't playing. And then Matt Kenyon flew in that same day and could only play two or three minutes. And um, 
the flu was going through our team and they fought like crazy. And at the five minute mark, we're tied. And so um, I was just real proud of our fight. We never thought anything other than we're going to win this game and go back to Tasmania and then things are going to get very interesting. Um, but I tell you, when that game was over and I woke up the next morning to fly back to Tasmania, I was in bed for four days with the flu. And I don't know how many of us would have actually been able to be there because uh, two of my coaches went down at that same point. Uh, another player got sick on that flight home. Uh, and Jack and Fab were not recovered yet from the flu on the flyback. So um, hindsight, you know, looking at it, well, I don't know if we, what we would have done after that, but our mentality hadn't changed that we were going to win that series. Uh, we just needed to get one game under our belt. Uh, speaking of the postseason playing tournament is coming in now, they announced this a long time ago, yep. but the format's come out the last couple of days. How much involvement did the teams have in terms of conversations with the league, whether it's about the format or the playing tournament at all? Uh, I couldn't even tell you that answer, to be yeah. honest with you. I don't know if that was Simon Brookhouse or the, you know, the CEOs of other teams being involved in that. I think it's a great thing to have anyways. You know, I think maybe some of that was driven by us because, you know, we ended up winning 17 games and there's a possibility of us not even mm -hmm. getting in. Mm -hmm. So, um, it would have been a shame to have that kind of a season and, and not get in and finish fifth. And we were lucky, obviously, to have uh, Southeast just, you know, play their butts off there in person, get us in that spot. But, I think it's just it, it, it creates interest in the league. It creates more uh, interest across the board. It, um, I'm trying to have these teams being more involved and the fan base more involved. I think it's just a, like a great idea. And the NBA has shown that it, it has created some interest. And then why not here? If there, was, if there was a playing tournament last year, though, Scott, you wouldn't have been pacing around your house <laughs> during that Phoenix game. Yeah. It would have changed yeah. your last couple of weekends. Yeah, no question about it, but uh, it's all good, really. It's all good. I didn't mind the pacing by myself, and uh, yeah, listen, I've said it so many times. It, it was just a, a miracle season, really, and and, and deserving. I mean, we worked for it, and we played hard, and we did the, we did the things that we had to do on our end. But it was a perfect storm, and a lot of things fell our way, and yet yeah, it's not always the case. And you know, this year's a whole different beast. And, you know, you got injuries to navigate already before the season for us. And we have things that, um, again, have not come our way yet that we're going to have to navigate in our, our very young history of our franchise. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about doing all that um, and very, very thankful of, of the season we had and the, and the excitement it created because really here in Tasmania, what it did is basketball has exploded in the last seven or eight months in Tasmania with youth. I mean, the, the kids in uh, all over Tasmania are now driven basketballs. They're, uh, some of these club teams that are here, for example, I think in Glenorchy, they had 20 club teams. They went to 40 uh, within three or four months of this enrollment. And so there's just so much stuff happening in the state basketball-wise with the youth and a pathway that it's just super exciting that um, Larry Katzman had this vision to get in here before everyone else. And we were just happy to ride on those coattails and then have an incredible season to rally the state. How aware are you? Are you following it at all, at all the, the Australian football, uh, the goings on there with Tasmania and whether they can get this over the line or not? Yeah, I mean, I'm following it a little bit. You know, obviously away during a lot of this talks. And yeah. uh, when I got back here, um, I'm following it. I just, uh, it's a tough one because I don't know the complete history of the yeah. entire thing that's happening here. But I just know that, um, Larry Katzman had a vision to be in first and, and that's really changed the tide of things in my opinion and, and um, obviously there's a lot of money to be involved in putting another team down here and there's a lot of resources that need to happen and 
Uh, I just don't know how that all works out really in the long run. Uh, I'm just happy that Jack Kimplers are here to represent the state first and, and, you know, not only nationally here, but internationally and uh, around the world, the people are actually taking interest in what's happening in Tasmania. I've never seen basketball on Australian football TV shows here, but you guys were on all those shows <laughs> during the postseason last year. I've never seen yeah. it before. A uh, couple more just general ones sure. for the league. So next stars uh, last year, uh, didn't didn't work out with Nikita. Didn't yep. play a lot. Had some injuries. Where you're at as a franchise, did did you try and have a look at that again, or does it just not necessarily make sense? Because a few teams have said, "Look, it just doesn't make sense for us where we're at." Yeah, I think for us uh, last year, obviously, was something to put on the radar, and we were trying to create you know some synergy and energy around here. And um, in general, I think the Next Star program is a really good program. I think you know the way the G League's doing it, we're having their own night team actually. And having it incorporated inside the G League would, is really the way to go to put all those guys on one team to make sure they're all getting equal playing time and surround them with maybe some old veteran Australian players. That could create the 11th team in the NBL. I think that would be exciting. Um, I think there's two great fits in the in this role, and that was uh, Jessup uh, in Illawarra is a great fit, and Huck Forty has been a great fit. Uh, DD in that first year when I came in is a great fit, but it's really hard for these guys to be incorporated in and have a balance of winning, building your team to win, but also allowing these guys to get enough playing time. And if you do that, in my opinion, you end up losing. And um, it's a very fine line of where you're going with those guys. And uh, the biggest thing for me is I just have a hard time wrapping my head around uh, five months of investment and they leave and probably never to return. And uh, what did you really get out of it at the end of the day? And I, I know it's a great marketing tool for the league and there's a lot of really good players, but to me, it has to be really a really good fit for you. And like I said, uh, Huggaporty was a fantastic fit for Melbourne. I think Jessup was fantastic in LOR. And those are the kind of guys, you know, that can really impact and actually play right away and not risk uh, losing and, and developing and, and, and those kind of things that um, take away from Australian spots of, of players. So, uh, this year, uh, we were so busy just trying to get our guys back together, and uh, we haven't really gone down that road very much to even look at the next star. And there really there hasn't been a lot of um, chatter or talk uh, throughout the market in general for that either. And just for some of the other teams around the league, you've obviously seen what's going on. Uh, is there any teams that are standing out? I mean, you've referenced a few times some of these clubs do lose some really, really high-quality players, and then – couple of weeks later they've they've loaded up again what what what's stood yeah out to you? I, there's i mean obviously uh, these teams reload and they, they they're you know they're out buying talent and buying trying to buy wins and trying to buy the best players on the market which is great and you know adelaide's you know uh, loaded up and obviously Perth now is reloaded and um yeah these teams are just impactfully bringing in big time players and obviously brisbane now is just throwing their hat in the ring and and um, us down in Tassie, it's just about uh, the pack. It's about uh, not one wolf, but the pack. And uh, the, our pack is only as strong as our group, and our group is what it is about down here. And um, we'll just go about our business and mind our business down here, and we'll send 11 guys out in the court uh, to play and play as hard as we possibly can. And, you know, you know talents in the eyes of the beholder and uh, eventually you only need five on the floor and you have to have the right chemistry to win. And um, if the talent's not managed very well, then it's just talent at the end of the day and it's, it's hard to get across the line. So uh, there's a lot of really good players. The league's getting more exciting and, and um, should be an interesting season. 
Uh, last one, the Blitz obviously is going to come around really quickly in Darwin. Yep. I've I've never been to Darwin. I'm looking forward to going yep. up there. But uh, when does everyone get in town? We're, what what's it looking like the next couple of weeks? Uh, so we started on Monday. Uh, so we're in the process right now of these, uh, this week and next week of um, guys trinkling through. We had seven today. We'll have uh, by next week twelve uh in and then we have developmental uh tryouts uh next wednesday also so these next two weeks are uh individual work concepts and reviewing what we've done last year and getting guys reacclimated to what's going on we still have guys in the mbl one playing in hobart we have guys up in uh, the thunder playing so they're kind of moving back and forth um but our plan is on the 15th we have our evening kind of banquet with everyone to get together the 16th is our first official practice, which they actually go to work down here. We don't practice on the floor. These guys actually go to work. I send them off um, to actually work in a job uh, on their first practice. And then on the 17th, we'll go. Our imports are in next week. Uh, they're all set to be landing in here by the middle or end of next week. And uh, we're ramped up and ready to go. So just quickly, last year was the apple farm. Are they going back to the apple farm? Or so is we're the going week? back to the apple farm again, but we're expanding Lovely. it to bulk nutrition, which is about a uh, 10 minute drive around in the Huron Valley down there. And it's a hugely important thing for us that, uh, well, one, there are sponsors obviously, but I think it's massively important that these players continue to understand what it means to be Tasmanian, what these people are actually doing for a living and, and have a little bit of humbleness that, you know, the real world is this kind of stuff and how people are actually working that they're blessed to be doing what they're doing. And to me, it's just a reality check, but more it's a, it's a Tasmanian thing to make sure our guys uh, understand when they walk on the floor and there's uh, 5,000 people screaming for them that uh, they remember these moments when they're working hand in hand with people in the orchards or out there in the packing plants um, that what, what they're expecting is a hardworking team. And, and I think um, as long as I'm here, that tradition will stay that way. Well, I got down last year during the playoffs to see you at practice, but I still haven't been to a game. So it's uh, wow. it's on the list. Well, you got to get year. to one because uh, it's quite crazy in there and the, the atmosphere is been electric and our fans you know it's funny from the first game that we were there to the end have grown of understanding how to clap and how to you know get yeah. to where they're going and and well i think you know from the first game to the last game things changed dramatically of the the rowdiness and the loudness of that <laughs> building and it's really a really a, a pit and uh, we're excited about you know this year and uh you know we'll be playing again and probably having the the, the season sold out already um and uh it, yeah, it's been crazy down here just in the short time I've been back. Yeah, I'll, I might have to ask you for a favor because the Tassie Jack Jumpers fans I ran into in Melbourne, they said, don't bother coming down because there's no seats available. Yeah, so yeah. I'll, it's I'll, true. I'll hit you up so yeah, you can help I'm me out. A, I might be able to squeeze one in and out of there. But yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, the fans' response and the people's response down here has been amazing. And unfortunately or fortunately, you know, we're probably slightly just a little too small, the arena, uh, to get everybody in there. And then there's the benefit of making sure it's filled every night. And and it's, it's going to be filled. Scott, appreciate you, mate. Thank you for your time, as always. You got it, always.